Kyle. I'll be one of your co-hosts. I'm joined by my friend Rob Kowalski, CEO and co-founder of CityFam. How's it going, everybody? And our very special guest for today is Stefan de Bossier. <laughs> Bossier. De Bossier? De Bossier. De Bossier. I'm not fancy enough to get it right until <laughs> the third time. I apologize. Stephen de Bossier is a man on a mission, and that mission is to make relationships happier and more fulfilling. As a certified relationship coach, a speaker, and author, Stefan seizes every opportunity to help both men and women overcome the challenges that hinder their relationships. Understanding the opposite sex and navigating the paths and avoiding the pitfalls of relationships and self-growth, Stefan's relationship advice and insight helps countless individuals achieve an authentically amazing life. Stefan empowers millions to take charge of the difficult situations standing in the way of life and love they see to make an impactful change Thank you so much for joining us here today. This is really exciting for us. Um, so I've never met a relationship coach. <laughs> yeah, I've always thought, man, they must walk into the room and everybody just like the charisma just oozes out of them. You're, you you look very suave, man. <laughs> just like just from the head to the, the floor, man. And, and, just, and I, 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 you know, he smells good too. <laughs> I mean, uh, the most no homo way. Yeah. <laughs> smell very good driving over here. No, like, <laughs> so you're like the real life Hitch. Yeah, kind of. Because Hitch was more like matchmaker. Right, right. And I don't do the matchmaker thing. Okay. okay. You know, I'm, I'm more helping people resolve their issues, find ways to overcome certain obstacles. So yes, the, you know, it's in the love relationship field, but to me, God is the matchmaker. I'm not the matchmaker, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't get involved with that part of it. Right. So yeah. how, how did you how did you get into this line of work? I'm, I'm so interested in you. I was I was trying my hardest not to ask questions <laughs> on the way here because I'm like I wanted to save it for the podcast, but I'm just dying to know all this stuff. So <laughs> how uh, how did you get into this line of work, man? It was all God because there was no I had no idea I'd be doing this. I got my degree in management information systems. I'm IT. Wow. So I growing up hated writing papers. I would never want to speak in front of the classroom. Like, none of this stuff I'm doing now is... <laughs> that don't make any sense. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Like, it's, a, it's crazy to me that I've written books and articles when I have failed classes because I didn't want to write a paper. Right. All right, that's how crazy it was. But literally, I went from having multiple businesses in Miami, real estate investment, uh, computer repair, and when the real estate market crashed... I felt God was telling me to move to Georgia. And I didn't want to move to Georgia. My family was here, but I wanted to stay in Miami. I had a big house. I was doing well down there. But I just felt like God kept telling me I needed to go to Georgia. And then once I came here, I was surrounded by married couples. And they were all coming to me for advice. And so that led to the first book, How to Get a Woman to Have Sex with You If You're a Husband. Because all the husbands were complaining about a lack of sex. Mm-hmm. And it was just everything. It was just me praying and asking God, okay, what do you want me to do next? So it never was God saying, you're going to be a relationship coach. It was just write this book. Do this thing. Right. Then it was get the certification. So it just snowballed from there. And then wow. here I am. That's amazing. That's such a cool journey. Uh, I can relate a lot of what, to what you said. So I just finished uh, a book as well. I never considered myself a writer. I, I actually... Did you graduate high school? No, I didn't. I got it. I got my GED, and I hate writing. I, I just I despised it. The process was was you know super painful. But again, I'm a freaking bachelor's degree and no book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it's it, that's 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 a wild journey. So tell us about your uh, your new book, I guess. So the latest book is the man God has for you, and um, 
it's just a book, pretty much, it's the seven traits for women to be mindful of or try to determine their life partner. And it was something that actually started off as a free ebook, it was just a little short 10 page thing. But so many uh, people were, find, were enjoying it and finding it beneficial. I was like, you know what, let me turn it into a full length book. And so I did that, and it's been doing amazing. And, and people love it. Women have been getting a lot of help from it. Um, and so, yeah, it's just another one of the pieces of the puzzle. That's where I look at my books. All the books are just pieces of the puzzle. Right? Naturally, we don't want to read the whole, you know, don't give away all your secrets. You know, <laughs> you got to pay for it, man. It's, no doubt it's quality stuff. But of the seven, or maybe you can, like, answer this a different way. What is a good, straight up front, she has encountered the man, what does she need to look for? It's one thing. One thing that she needs to look for. Just give us a nibble. <laughs> you know what, to me, the most important thing is connection. That there's a deep and genuine connection. Mm -hmm. I believe that the vast majority of relationships, marriages, do not have a connection. Which is why we have a high divorce rate, which is why we have so much dysfunction, because people are choosing individuals based off of superficial needs and desires. Amen. And they're getting caught up in what they think they want and not understanding what they really need. And then you have individuals who aren't even being themselves with each other. So how can you connect to the fake you? You know, so it's two fake people trying to connect and make it work. And what happens is in marriage, once the smoke clears and the real people come out, they don't match together anymore. Yeah. And now we're telling people to make it work and don't divorce. Yes, we don't want you to get divorced at the same time. You never belong together. Right. Because you don't have the connection. So to me, the most important thing, that's for man or woman, is to pay attention. Is there a genuine connection? Do you really like who this person is at their core? Yeah. Because if you don't, it'll never work. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I talk about that a lot. And if, if when you don't pump the brakes, because... The average amount of dates that people go on now before having sex is three. That's the, the national average. The three-day three rules don't affect <laughs> So how well do you know somebody? I mean, I can pretend to be anyone for three days. You know, I'll be on my best behavior for three days. So, like, people get into these physical relationships, and then you get a soul tie. You get some, you know, and it, it, if you're not a believer, then it, you basic oxytocin, it's biology. Exactly. You get connected to somebody and you don't even know who the person is. And now, you know, you're wondering why, oh wait, hold on, they voted for who? Wait, they see the world, you, know, they, you see the way they handle a situation. You're like, I didn't know they saw the world that way. And you, and I believe and uh, everything that you're saying, it, it's so important. Have you read the book, The Weight? I haven't read it. Yeah, I, I know I, about it. I you know the concept it. though. Yeah. And, um, and I, honestly, <laughs> to be honest, I haven't read it either. I know, I know enough about it. Um, basically, you know, kind of pumping the brakes and becoming the best version of yourself so that you can bring that into a relationship. So, um, tell us about your love life. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sure all the ladies are wondering what, I mean, you I, know. I cannot imagine that they're just like walking in the opposite direction. Like, Rob, Rob says you smell good, you look fly, you're doing well. <laughs> and believe it or not, that makes it 10 times harder. Really? Yeah, Why bigger pool to, to, to winnow. So there's two ways to look at this. One, understand that the vast majority of the world is broken. Mm -hmm. When I say broken, I mean they're damaged from past experiences, they have not healed. We don't encourage getting help and healing enough, all right? So when you're an amazing guy and a woman meets you, they can admire you from afar. It's almost like a woman who she sees a star celebrity and she's all fantasizing about him and she wants him, so on and so forth. But when she's in his presence, she clams up, doesn't know what to do with herself, right? It's the same thing. 
it looks good from afar, but up close it's too vulnerable. Wow. It's too much. It's overwhelming. You start to question, why would he want me? Uh, you know, do I really deserve this? Is this really real? Because the woman is so conditioned to bad, dysfunctional men. Oh, it's yeah. hard for her to wrap her mind around this guy being this great. It's like, no, something has to be wrong or I, I don't belong. It, it, it almost makes her lose herself. And so the average woman seeks to be in relationships where she can maintain emotional control. All right. Which is why women will choose guys who are like I say like this. Women don't like to be with the number one guy on their list. Not a woman who hasn't healed. All right. She wants to be with number two, number three, number four. Because they're good enough to be with, but they don't make her lose emotional control. Right. They don't make her feel overly vulnerable to wow. where she can't handle the situation. So it is, it's a more acceptable, it's an easier choice. So women like the safe choice. Yeah. Even though the safe choice is always the wrong choice. Mm-hmm. All right? Yeah, right? And it's not going to work. It's never going to be what she wants it to be. But she feels a lot more at ease. So for me... I have experienced, I can. I have countless stories of women who when they got too close ran and then come back a year later saying, yeah, they were scared. They didn't know what to do. I have other men I, I talked to who have acknowledged the same experience. Women, one guy told me one time, uh, he was with a woman, and I, mean, I think they were dating for let's say three months or I don't know how long it was. And then they, you know, they were intimate or whatever and they wake up one morning and she just says, I can't do this. This is too good to be true, I can't handle this anymore. Wow. Holy crap. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just, yes. So, golly, because that's, that's crazy. Because anytime I've ever heard a circumstance like that, I just think maybe it's my personal insecurity, but when I hear about a story of a woman who seems to be with what looks like a great guy, she's like, oh, she found somebody else. Like, she found, like, I'm like 80% awesome. And she's like, ooh, I found 82 or 92 or something like that. It's like time to probably leap over the next guy. She's trying to Sometimes just... Sometimes he's 60%. She's trying to like eject your seat, yeah. bail out of the car. And you see some hot women sometimes with some not-so-wonderful <laughs> guys, and I was always, you know, I just thought they were funny or something. No, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's easier for her. I know women, I know, I know one woman that comes to mind right now. This woman is extremely beautiful. She was always a model and videos, all this different stuff. And she would purposely date down because she figured if I date a guy who's on a lower level than me, he'll appreciate me more. He'll value me more. So basically, I don't want the real good. Like, I've had women say to me, I don't want to date the best looking guy in the room. That's too much to deal with, right? All right? And that makes her feel too insecure. So it is easier to deal with the guy at a lower level that's not as good looking, maybe not as financially stable. It gives her more power and more, at least it makes her feel like she's more powerful and more valued, but guess what? It still always ends up in a bad situation. Because that same woman still got cheated on. That's, you know, <laughs> she should. I think there's even a principle with that. Like when I was born around, and when I was, you know, various times in my life, um, I would have rather have hooked up with a, a seven or an eight than to sometimes more than a nine or a 10, because the nines or a 10, were super high maintenance and they were lazy in bed. You know, you take home a seven or eight and they're they're really they're hard. hard. They're working hard. They're excited. They got work ethic, they got character, they're willing to put themselves no, into I'm not, it. I'm not advocating that just so you guys know, you know, my stance on sex. But you know, but it happens. Yeah. Like there are whether people can articulate that or not, psychologically that happens all the time. And people do view it that way. And they do start to purposely target 
people at lower levels, so to speak, or less desirable people yeah. because it's easier. Yeah. So I talked about something about uh, lust versus love, and, and, and when you don't have love, you have a, you have a pursuer and you have a, uh, someone that's basically retreating. And the person that's pursuing, for them, it's great the relationship. So and you're, what you're talking about, the person that is, is the down person, they're, they're the pursuer. They're, mm -hmm. It's great for them, but it's always peaks and valleys, because when it's good, it's amazing, but when it's bad, it's so bad because you're, you, you know, you're emotionally invested. For the person that's in control of the relationship, for them, they're bored all the time. Mm -hmm. And so it's safe, but it's kind of boring. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, I think initially they might be, they might not be boring initially because there's the excitement of someone chasing after them like that still makes them feel good and, and it feeds their self-esteem. But yes, there's going to come a point where that's no longer exciting. And now you are bored and now you're not challenging the situation. It doesn't push it to higher levels. And yeah, you just don't have that same desire for that individual, you know? So definitely it will get to a bored uh, stage, so to speak. So about the challenge of not dating too high up the chain, um, that plays into the, one of the models I found on your website. Individuals achieve an authentically amazing life and not pretending to be somebody. And I guess finding like meets like, the two kind of are magnetized and two inauthentic people will kind of move across the dance floor towards each other. Mm -hmm. um, unless you don't agree with that, you're the expert here, I'm not. I'm no, question. I do think, you know, so you know how they say real recognizes real? Mm -hmm. Why well, I say fake always falls for fake. Mm -hmm. All right, so people who don't know themselves are gonna fall with people who don't know themselves, plain and simple. Now don't get me wrong, those people still want the genuine person as well, but yes, a lot of times, if you have a dysfunctional relationship, it is not likely that it's just a one-sided dysfunction. There's two sides to it. The other person may not see their own dysfunction, but trust me, there's something on their side that is making them fake, so to speak, or not allowing them to be their real self, and that's why they even got caught up with this individual and weren't able to recognize something was wrong here yeah. and walk away from it. Yeah, because when, yeah, I, I totally agree with that, you know, having been on a journey myself of self-discovery you know, self where, you know, it's pretty easy to spot when you get to a point where you're, you know, not thirsty, you're, you, you know, you become the best version, best version of yourself and, um, you know, if, if something's off, it's pretty easy to spot. How do you feel about online dating? Just curious. I think it's fine. I, I tell uh, my clients and everybody I talk to, it, online dating is for the purpose of meeting people conveniently. That's it. And it does that. You know, but the problem is people don't know how to effectively online date. So, like, I look at some of these women's profiles and they're horrible. <laughs> and it's like, you can't successfully make anything happen here with this horrible setup. And a lot of people who are online dating are very lukewarm in the process. They're not fully invested in making this work. It's almost like, well, I'm going to try it because I'm bored, or I'm trying it because my friends encourage me to. But you're not really diving into it and saying, okay, how can I make my profile better? What can I do? Being consistent with checking your messages, going on the profile. They're not doing that. Mm -hmm. So it's not, online dating to me is not the problem. It's the approach we take to it that's the problem. Because the same people you meet online is the same people you meet in real life. That's true. So what, what, what are the biggest mistakes you see on the profiles? Um, so, so a couple things I tell people. One, for the women, they don't smile on their profile picture. All right, and there's a study that shows women are more attractive when they smile. So it's a much more inviting thing when a woman is smiling. It's probably both ways, right? 
Actually, they say men are more attractive when we don't smile. <laughs> Believe it or not. Smolder. Nah, yeah. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm not going to tell men don't smile in general. It's more masculine. Yes, exactly. How are you? So, men, it's not as important for men to do that. Um, but for the women, smiling, not having enough pictures in their picture gallery, you know, people don't want to get catfished. And yep. so, you having one picture on there, right. it's not going to work. Yeah. Um, not showing all of themselves. Because again, people are very cautious online. So if we don't get a full view of who you are, your whole body and everything, we're gonna be hesitant. Yeah. And we're just not gonna be as likely because we're choosing you between all these other profiles. You have to stand out. Yeah. So you know, there's that, there's the way they're putting their prescriptions. And I think one of the most important things for men and women to know what online dating is, present your value, not what you want. So even go in that description and say, I want this, I'm looking for that, boom, yes. boom, boom. Yes, so annoying. Exactly. <laughs> I like, tried it, man. It's right awful. It's like, yeah. What do you want to say? But what makes you the person I should reach out to? Yes. They're not thinking like that. You know, and so that's why they're not getting as much messages. But I guarantee you change the tone of your the description and make it about selling your value. Yeah. Watch how many more messages you start to get. That's I also awesome. want to like segue into a question about like, should employers do the same thing on their like job postings? Like you gotta have this, 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 this. Like, well, I'm not tall enough. My car's not fast enough. My house is big enough. So obviously, <laughs> I'm not gonna roll with this one. I have a question about dating applications. So if your profile is how you present yourself, would the dating app or website be kind of like the room you're in, and there's all these other people here? And if you come into it lukewarm, it's like. Why'd you come out if you didn't really want to try to talk to people? Mm -hmm. So how long is one of the problems with a, a website or an app is that people are messaging way too long. Like you just stay in the room. You're not like, let's go and just interact together, just mm -hmm. you and I. Well, you know what? I think the, the problem with the dating app is that it's too convenient. And because it's too convenient, it allows the slackers to jump in, the people who aren't serious to engaged yeah. and that's why they had no intention of leaving the room alright yeah, like, it was in the presentation it, well regardless because there's a study that shows that the like Tinder for example mm -hmm. there was a study that shows that the vast majority on Tinder are only there to boost their ego they're not on there to actually go on a date it works. so they have no interest in taking the conversation past the chat wow. they're just there to pass time Entertain themselves, collect and matches, good. exactly. With all these people feel who good about go themselves, exactly. That's uh, it. That's the reason why it's not moving from the app to anything more serious. And the other thing, I, well, this is I've never online dated. Not that I think there's anything wrong with it. I just feel like it's a bad strategy for finding love because it's all based on how you look. And you know, I talked a little bit about how physical attraction fades when you don't connect on a deep level, which you basically just said. But I, I think with especially sites like Tinder, you just get you get a lot of people that are like lazy or, you know, and guys, I mean, they're literally, they're on there just looking to hook up. Yeah, absolutely. And women are not, most, not all men say there's no women looking to hook up, but a lot of women are looking for a relationship. Oh, and, you know, <laughs> the way the culture's set up now, it's, it's basically, it's just the norm. It's expected for you to hook up, you know, like at some, some you know, very few people wait anymore, and when you get um, when you get that that those two dynamics, you know, in the same place, it's just a recipe for disaster because it's like you know nobody's really getting what they're looking for, you know, which is a, a, I believe a deep connection. So um, I don't know. I, I heard a story not long ago about 
someone had, I think they, they basically they got laid by just using emojis. They didn't, they didn't even reply like with words. They just used emojis and they were able to have sex with the person that they met online. I'm like, that's what our society has become. It's it's crazy. He literally played push the button with someone else's emotions with a smiley face. I, I thank God like this. Uh, I like that. Not that one. Uh, Tinder wasn't around when I was in the game because I would have worked that. Right. So, like, so bad. I would have taken it. I would have used it. But um, so what? Uh, where do you see yourself in five years? That's a question I thought I wanted to ask. You know, I have no idea. I'll be completely honest. I never think that far ahead. And so I, I don't know. I, you know, if I, the only thing I can think of is a lot more books. Um, a bigger platform, um, probably doing a lot more internationally. Um, but other than that, I don't really have a focused vision on where I'll be in five years. Because I guess I don't get, I don't get caught up into my own vision. I just keep asking God what He wants to do next, right? and that's the reason why. Because to me, we can come up with this whole grand idea of what we're gonna do and what we're gonna be, but who knows what He's gonna tell me to do next? It may be a complete left turn that I'm not expecting. So I don't set myself up to <laughs> so it's great being that flexible. Yeah, you know? yeah, just I'm just ready for whatever he says and just go with the flow. You wanna be married? Absolutely. Kids? Yes. Probably get that question quite a bit. Yeah. I mean I would like to so hopefully yes. Hopefully in five years that is already done, you know, and I have that on my resume. But um And no prospects out there. Hello. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's watching this right now. Like, right. I was gonna say it. You better say my name. <laughs> I mean, there, there's, there's been a situation. So it's five all of a sudden. But um, you know, gotta give, leave it in God's hands. Okay. That's it. Don't always go the way we want. We're gonna play dodgeball. <laughs> <laughs> just dodge it. So Very one difficult. of the things I really love about, um, I love that you keep it real. I was listening to some to some previous interviews, podcast interviews you did. And you talk about men being visual, and so you know you come at you come at this uh, this whole thing with you know you're a Christian you have a Christian perspective, but you're also like this is reality. Like men are visual, you know, and I love that um, you make it practical. So um, I don't know, just talk a little bit about that. Like, is, if there's any women out there, what, what advice would you give to a woman that was? Um, you know, maybe dating, looking looking to get married or looking to find a man. Um, uh, well, for, first in regards to the practical part, you know, like I said, when you were telling me your story in the car, I'm like, man, this sounds a lot like me. You know, my, my past is completely different than where I'm at now. I used to promote clubs, used really? to be running these streets, <laughs> you know, living a completely different, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I've never said this at, on any interview, but once upon a time, I was even a promoter of open marriage. Wow. All right. I had a completely different perspective of things. Amazing. And, you know, even though I believe in God, I was not spiritual at that time. I had not accepted Jesus. All, you know, those things weren't in place. But so I think because I've lived that life and now that I'm here, I understand that. Like, I remember when people used to come to me with the Bible and say, don't have sex, I would get out of my face with that. Right. You know, my logic was, if it feels good afterwards, how can it be a sin? Exactly. All right? <laughs> so to me, that's how I would deflect that issue. And so I've just come to realize that I can't come from the spiritual standpoint to everyone if I'm going to have them receive the message. Right. My goal isn't to, like, I feel like some people want to speak just to sound smart. 
So we want to speak just to sound righteous and holy. No, I want to speak to help you understand what you need to understand. And sometimes it's going to require baby steps. It's going to require a more practical approach. Some people, I may not even interject the spiritual part for a while. And I'm just going to speak strict practical with you until you get to a place that now you can handle the spiritual aspect. Because I think some people try to force and rush God down people's throats. They're not ready for that yet. I know I wasn't ready for that yet. Yeah. You could not get through to me for a long time about spirituality and God, but then a breaking point occurred and things start to change. And now, yes, I can receive it, but everyone has their own process. Yeah. And so we have to be mindful of that if the real goal is to help people. Yeah. You know, so I, I try to be flexible with whoever I'm speaking to. But if I recognize you are spiritual, then I can go straight to spiritual. Yeah. And if you're not, I would then wait on that. So that's why. I try to interject practical and spiritual, and also because I'm a firm believer that everything spiritual, biblically, is practical. Exactly. Yeah. If you break it down correctly, 100%. there is a complete practical application to it. It's just that people don't understand it. So when, when God says, don't have sex before marriage, it isn't just some vague uh, instruction. There's a reason for that. Let's not break down the reason. So that's why I think, yes, we can have both, practical and spiritual. But again, some people need it served to them yeah. in different ways and, and slowly, so to speak. Yeah, I agree with so much of what you're saying. You know, I, I try to explain it practically because I didn't understand the concept at all myself. You know, I used to say, if it feels good, do it. Yeah. And that's how I live my life. I lived it completely like that. And I did not understand the concept of waiting when I first started out. I just was really doing it for selfish purposes. I thought God would send me a wife. And it was only after time that I really started to understand it. And now, again, I can I believe that I can explain it maybe more practically than any anyone. That's probably outside. Of you. <laughs> you're really you're really sharp. But um, no, I mean, and some things you can really only understand when you've lived on the other side. Some people yeah. say to me, like, how can you tell people, you know, don't have casual sex or, or you know, all these different things you've done? I'm like, how quickly would you listen to a guy that was a virgin telling you you shouldn't have casual, you know, have sex? You'd be like, get the hell out of here, right? <laughs> what the hell do you know? You haven't even got me. You know, so it, it's almost like a, a drug addict. Like, you, you can't, I don't think you can, I've heard that there's certain certain uh, heroin addiction centers where you can't be a counselor unless you've had an, that addiction mm -hmm. yourself because there's just things that you don't, you can't speak to. Yeah. So I definitely see, um, I see value in that when you come from that other side. But that's wild. So you used to promote, huh? Yeah. Promote a lot of clubs. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a crazy And a lot of house parties. Another kind of, so another experience you had that I haven't had that I <coughs> ask questions about is it seems to be a new phenomenon going on in our culture to pursue polyamory mm -hmm. and open relationship with people. Not just in like the hookup culture and the young cats and high school and college and post-grad um, circles where they're like, I want to date somebody, but I don't want to lock it down. I still want to see, you know, him and her and her and him and her. Also, later on in marriage, when people seem feel like the fire is dying, they think, well, let's spice it up. Yeah. Is it the same problem, just at a different stage in life? No. I view it as two different problems. Well, it can be the same problem, but here's my initial thought. <clears throat> The polyamory before marriage, because I know where my mind was when I used to believe in open marriage. 
your thinking is that no one person can fulfill you. Right. So what is the purpose of locking myself down to one person? Why leave that void in my life? Let me allow myself to venture out and be with different people and enjoy myself. But let that person fall in love. And I guarantee you everything changes. Yes. All right. When you find that one individual that you truly feel like is the one, everything. Like you, you, we've seen guys who were players, all right, running these streets and meet that one woman and want to drop everybody mm -hmm. for that one woman. It happens. And it's not some people love to make you think it's some kind of societal programming that has caused us to want to be monogamous. No, it is a natural thing that once we connect with someone that we have this high desire for, we lock in and we only want them and we have tunnel vision. Now, I always tell people our problem isn't monogamy, it's our ability to maintain monogamy. So going to the married couple, when they reach that point that the fire is gone, nine times out of 10, I can almost guarantee you what's really happened is they lost attraction to each other because we let ourselves go, things change. So even though, yes, I'm a big, uh, I talk about connection and the importance of connection, that is the most important thing. I do also tell people about keeping yourself up physically and being mindful of your appearance because at the end of the day, physical attraction is the missing ingredient that takes a relationship from platonic to romantic. Once you remove physical attraction, you're not lovers anymore. Your friends, your, friends, your yeah. roommates. You see, so what happens is, these people let themselves go, and not just physically, also in how they treat each other. Mm -hmm. You'll hear wives say, well, he doesn't take me out anymore. He doesn't do the things he did in the beginning. To the man, now he doesn't say to people, she doesn't look the way that she looks like before, <laughs> because you're gonna get smashed for that, all right? <laughs> and, and, and people are gonna be talking to you that you're, you're shallow and all these things, but he's thinking it, Sure, he's thinking it. Yeah. And that's playing into why they're, it's, it's not maintaining the person we fell in love with that leads to the fire being gone and leads to why we can't maintain the monogamy. But if we maintain that person, and it is possible to maintain that person, and granted, yes, looks do fade, but attraction can last forever. There are ways to still maintain attraction because there's a difference between aging and letting yourself go. Yeah, I wanna say one thing to that. So I, I there's a chapter that I fleshed out in, in my book, and it talks about physical attraction fading. So I've been fortunate enough to date some really beautiful women in my life. And we always had sex early. We always had sex within, usually the first date, sometimes, you know, a couple of dates. But I would always lose interest. I, I would always get to the point, sooner or later, and it didn't usually even take that long, a couple months, where I just wanted to go to sleep every night. I was still attracted to other women, but I wasn't attracted to this beautiful girl in my bed. And we would get into arguments even about it. And what I realized was, you know, I started asking myself the same questions, basically, that you're saying, where, like, are, are humans meant to be monogamous? Maybe I'm not built that way or whatever. But it, was, it wasn't that. It was, it was my pattern of always getting into relationships without really getting to know them, getting physical without getting to know them. And I always use the scenario, like, we've all been in this, this situation a thousand times where, you know, imagine you meet someone um, and you're like, ooh, they're hot, right, when you first meet them. And then for whatever reason, you guys don't date, a couple weeks go by, and then you look at them and you go, you can still see they're attractive, but you go, yeah, not for me though. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We've all been in that situation a thousand times because you break through that, that surface level to find out who lived inside that tent and you can realize that there's not something you could see that they're attracted. Maybe you would have you you know you would have rolled in the hay with them or whatever. There's no substance there. But there's nothing else there, and that's how people get into these 
relationships with the wrong people all the time. And I don't, and, and I don't even know that it matters how good that person looks because they can keep up with our appearance. But when you don't connect on a deep level, that goes away. So, so look at it. So look at the, you got to combine what you just said with what we were saying earlier with the connection. So I look at it like the connection is the main foundation. All right. So you're right. Without the connection, the looks cannot hold that relationship up. Yeah. Doesn't matter if they fall off, don't fall off. It will not last without connection. So you have connection. Let's say that's already set. We have this amazing connection. In that, when we have amazing connection, nine out of ten we have an attraction as well. All right. Now, granted, there's going to be some deviation. We're all going to change. We're all going to age. That happens. But some people aren't just deviating. They're transforming. All right. <laughs> and who they're transforming into is a person you would have never even entertained right. if that's what the way they looked from the beginning. Yeah. So my thing is there's a line that gets crossed that now the attraction does affect our ability to want to be in a relationship with this person. You see, because you don't always still love them. When you have a connection with somebody, you will always love that person. People can go 10, 20 years without talking. They see each other again, it's like they never stop talking. Right. All the feelings rush right back those people have a connection. So you can't destroy that. That doesn't change anything. But the attraction piece is for the sake of being able to maintain a committed, serious relationship. So if we don't have both, that's not going to work. Because again, if we just have connection, we could be great friends. Right. But will we want to be in a relationship with each other? Because in a relationship, we have to be intimate with each other. We have to respect each other. When physical attraction is not there, people start respecting less. They start being less intimate. You know, they start uh, being less transparent. All these things start to fall to the wayside because we're not as drawn to the individual as yeah. we once were. So it's it's a combined it's thing. There yeah. has to be both has to be there. So the weight we talk about, you know, waiting for this right person, and uh, I got a quote here that I wanted to read. Um, it says. Don't let feeling lonely push you into the arms of a person who will make you miserable. So how do you, what advice do you give people that are feeling lonely? Because, the, I, you know, I, I went through a long period of waiting myself and it, it, you know, how do you, how do you prevent being thirsty? I mean, what do you, <laughs> seriously, like, I mean, because it, it doesn't sound like maybe you date as much as maybe some of our listeners would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> how do you navigate that? Because the way can be really hard. It can. So just like you, I went through. I remember my first initial stage of being abstinent, and it was just like you said, locked myself in the house, wouldn't go anywhere, didn't know who I could hang out with. It just, and like I said, you, you're so obsessed with trying to stay out of trouble, but you didn't want to go nowhere. And I never forget, one time I said, okay, you know what? I'm gonna let myself go out. Maybe I'm being too strict, this is ridiculous. It was somebody's birthday at a club. I said, let me go. I go there, and that night, there was an engaged woman trying to get me to come back to her hotel room. And there was another woman I used to sleep with trying to get me to sleep with her again. And I was like, oh my God, like the minute I step out of this house, the devil world is not trying to get me. Yeah. I was like, I'm going home. I'm not coming out again. I'm done. This can't work. So, so I know how difficult it can be. Now, as far as trying to fight through the loneliness, you know, some of it is just being mentally strong and just programming ourselves and reminding ourselves that we're doing this for a greater purpose and that we have to stay on the right track. But I think finding hobbies, finding ways to grow ourselves. Like even recently, um, I'm about to enroll in Tai Chi. You know, so I'm about to do things that, I I guarantee if you sit down and really go within yourself, 
you can find new things that you actually liked that maybe you just felt maybe was stupid or silly or oh, I won't do that, I'll put it to the side. But there's plenty of things you can start doing to start occupying your time and not for the sake of just being busy. So I'm not gonna do Tai Chi just to be busy, it's to improve my body, it's to improve my mind, it's to improve my flexibility, all these different benefits. So I look for things that can help me grow as an individual. And so I think just continuously exploring uh, different ways to improve ourselves, to evolve as an individual, that will help uh, make the loneliness less. Yeah. And then I do think when possible, finding friends of like minds, mm -hmm. you know, that's gonna really help. Because again, you are who you hang out with. Exactly. Hashtag city friends with better benefits. Yeah, you know, I think that helps a lot. And I know that's not always easy, especially, I think for men, it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. Because once we get into that mindset, like you saw when you became abstinent, it's not a bunch of friends. Like, especially when you just came out of the world of running the streets and doing your thing, you're not going to be surrounded by a bunch of abstinent guys or guys who even understand what you're trying to do. So it creates this huge conflict to where, okay, where do I go? And then like you said, you because it was so funny when you said, um, so you were trying to go to these church things, but you didn't feel like you connected with the church people, right? And I literally said that two nights ago to somebody how... Yeah, you know, it'd be nice to have a lot of guy friends, but you feel like you don't connect with certain people. Yeah. And you connect more with the people that you used to run the streets 100%. with. So 100%. you're trying to find this middle ground of, okay, how do I get the influences I need, but the kind of connections that I'm comfortable yes. with? Yeah, how? How do you do that? <laughs> I think we got a, we're launching a new city fam chapter in Atlanta. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's the new director right here. So that so yes. That's awesome, man. Gosh. Yeah, the environment you run with because maybe you wouldn't be able to do Tai Chi with your buddies that you used to roll with before. And you certainly wouldn't be able to pursue a meaningful relationship with those folks either, like in either story here. Mm -hmm. um, you said something interesting that I've like been really trying to remember. A mismatch of priorities when you said the young people don't believe they can find that one person that's going to fulfill them. And I think you know on multiple levels, but I'd like to talk about it at a practical level. That's true, you won't find a person who will fulfill you. It's not that person's duty to be your fulfillment. Yeah, so you're right. I don't think any one person can truly fulfill us. We have to fulfill ourselves. We have to have a relationship with God. You know, these are things that truly make us who we are. But I do think that there is that person that everyone meets that you experience this amazing connection with, that you feel like, I don't need anything past this. This is enough for me. So fulfilled in that sense to where they they knock off the, the, they check off the boxes of what you need to be happy and satisfied and fulfilled in a relationship. Right. So relationship fulfillment, I think can be achieved with one person. A lot of people do not think that can happen with one person. and. The reality is that most people meet that individual. The problem is they're too busy caught up in other bad situations. Mm -hmm. You know, so whether it's they haven't healed, so they run away from it, whether it's you're in the wrong relationship, so now this amazing person comes along. I even have one situation where somebody emailed me saying, oh, help me, I need help. I said, what's wrong? She said, um, I'm in love with my best friend. I said, what's the problem? He just got married two weeks ago. <laughs> it gets better. And she said after that, they had a conversation and it turns out he's in love with her too. And they feel like they're soulmates. Wow. 
But they never told each other because they thought the other one didn't have feelings for the other and they didn't think it, they didn't want to ruin the friendship, blah, blah, blah. Oh, God. So now, two weeks into his marriage, the, they come to this realization that they're madly in love with each other and don't know what to do. Two wow. weeks? Yes. Keanu Reeves said it best. Don't wait. <laughs> Tell her how you feel because you may not get that opportunity again. Yeah. I like something that you said in regards to going back to the Tai Chi thing and it's something that I read in a book called uh, Thinking Grow Rich where they talk about sex transmutation. Mm-hmm. So basically it's like when you, when I, from a personal level, when I start chasing tail, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I took that energy that I, I used to use, all that sexual energy, and I put it into myself, like you said. And what it helped me to do was, you know, become the best version of myself, start a nonprofit. I got, you know, did relief trips and volunteered and read a bunch of books. And, you know, the, the reason that I wrote the book that is because of all that. And I, it would have never happened because I used to take that energy and put it into something that, that was fun in the moment, but didn't produce anything lasting. So it really kind of, everything you're saying really supports that. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I tell men, well, the men will listen. Try abstinence and try with a focus of accomplishing things. And I dare you to tell me that after you're done, you didn't find yourself more productive. Right. That you have not found yourself in a better position. So it definitely, when you take that sexual energy and put it into other things, you will definitely see a huge difference and a huge benefit. But I think a lot of people don't, you know, it's, again, again, if we think back to where we were, when we were running the streets, you couldn't pay me to be absent. <laughs> like, it was like, hell no, it's not gonna happen. Yeah. There's no way I will ever go long about sex. It just, I could not even fathom that idea. Yes. And then here I have all these multiple <laughs> runs at absence. Like, you just, you, but you don't know the benefit until you finally start to yeah. go through the process. I, I, that's a, when I, be, you know, when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. So when I was a boy, you know, and I think about that verse with my own myself is because I, I acted like a boy because I didn't know better. So um, yeah, that's good. I wanted to pit, plug in something for folks in my generation that are so affectionately referred to as millennials. <laughs> Man, we didn't pick the word. It's not like we're the first young generation to exist, but there are some definitely different things. And I'm wondering, and I know you're not a, you're a parent, but I'm not going to walk you too far outside your lane. Is there a problem with the way we're talked to about getting a relationship from the get-go? And that's why we think not just relationships, but everything has to like make me become. And there's, like you said earlier, I'm, there, no one's looking in. No one's looking in and thinking, what can I do to contribute to people? Same thing with the Tinder profile. What can I write? It's like, I have these amazing things that I'm trying to live out in my life instead of six, two Mercedes, eight units of measurement. <laughs> <laughs> Not to get the nose on the head too hard. But, well, I, yeah. I, I heard a quote that you uh, actually tweeted that after I heard it. It says, you might not have to lower your expectations, lower your expectations, but you might have to raise your qualifications. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I've had friends that, you know, they didn't, you know, uh, that rang so true. Because I knew people that they, they want something, but they're not willing to be that something. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a quote that um, my pastor had mentioned before. It said, are you the person you're looking for is looking for? Because we all automatically are looking for a certain type of person, but we're not willing to become that type of person that they, that person would be looking for. Therefore, we never get them. Exactly. I used to get frustrated by that kind of talk because I thought, how am I supposed to know what I want? Like, be the person who you want. 
But if you're just wise enough to figure out, oh, I don't know who I want, and then the next is, oh, I don't know who I am, what the hell do you do? Well, you know what? You start with the the basic stuff. So it's like, okay, you may not know who you are, what you want, in the sense of the very specifics of that person. But you know you want to be respected. You know you want to be loved. You want to be valued. You, you, you want to be considered. You know, these are the things you want from somebody in a relationship. So you have to give that. You want someone who's going to be clear and transparent with you, will be clear and transparent with them. That's one of, the, one of my biggest pet peeves with people is that they'll say, oh, well, men don't know how to communicate. But women are some of the whole, most horrible communicators on earth. All right. Like, 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 laws, I don't care. You know, you're, you're, you're saying stuff, but you're not clear. You're not being transparent. Or people will say, "Oh, well, they lied about this, but you've been lying about this." Like, we're not giving what we want in return in the relationship. So I always say, start with the basic stuff: honesty, being compassionate, being patient, being kind. Because that's we all know we want that. Because everybody right. says you weren't reading the signs. You got a voice, yeah, don't you? Exactly. <laughs> like not saying it is the same thing as kind of lying. Well, then, you know, the thing is, the thing with women is that women pick up on signs. Women pick up on every small detail. You sneeze different, she knows it. All right, <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's nothing that gets past her. So in her mind, why can't you see the signs like she sees it? Why can't you see the hints like she sees it? Because that's how she processes things. So she doesn't feel like she has to be so clear, so to speak, uh, and specific, because she doesn't need your specifics to figure things out. And that's why we have a very huge disconnect with communication in that way. But I do tell women, like, listen, be more specific with men, but I still encourage men, yes, learn to pay attention to other quote-unquote signs or things that show you something's wrong. So it's like, if you ask her what's wrong with you, I mean, if you ask her what's wrong today, and she says nothing, but you can see her body is telling you something's wrong. Then be smart. You you know something's wrong. Pursue. Even if you don't want to pursue it, you can say, you know what? It does look like something's wrong, but if you don't want to talk about it right now, fine. When you're ready, I'm here for you. Boom. So at least you're showing you recognize and you know her well enough to see that she is upset. And you're not buying into her just saying, I'm okay. When you can see there's something wrong going on. So Bad that I'm thinking about this. Like, yeah, that's a good way to cover my ass. <laughs> no, no, I was listening this time. Yeah. So, you know, we just got to be mindful of that. Let me ask you a couple of... Uh, Three personal questions. Uh, nothing too. <laughs> sure. uh, what's your favorite movie? Favorite the movie that just came to mind first is Heat. Heat. Yeah. Al Pacino yeah. and uh, who is it? Al Pacino, Robert De Niro. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I don't know why, but man, when I saw that movie, I just thought it was so amazing. That movie is wild. Man. <laughs> Out open and just shooting up the place. And then, if you could have dinner with anyone, living or dead, who would it be and why? Ooh, if I could have dinner with anyone, living or dead, who would it be? Jesus. <laughs> yeah. That's my only answer. Trump card, bam. Out of the box? I mean, come on. Let me, let me ask you a different question, a different version of that question. If you could go on a date with anybody that you don't know personally, I'm going okay. to help you out a little bit. You can be listening. With anybody that you do not know personally. Hopefully living, not dead. Living or dead. <laughs> okay. Let's say you can time travel. Okay. You don't know personally. Uh, who would that be? And when we say date, are we saying date for romantic purposes, or we're saying just yeah, just date like to... a, on the hunch that like maybe you could get to know him, and it'd be like that's a tough one. Yeah, I never heard this one. Before. See, if if it was just for any purpose, I was gonna say Oprah. 
Are you crazy? Or you just don't like sex anymore? No, she still loves sex, but mentally she's in the wrong place. Emotionally, maybe you've mistreated her. You don't make her feel secure. There's other issues contributing to it. And so the book, I think, will help men understand there's a lot more to this than you realize. Yeah. And and yeah. even if, not that we're trying to promote them having sex while they're single, but even if you want to continue to be that single man on the streets, knowing that information would make you a much better man with your dealings with women and your sexual dealings, so to speak. My pastor and his wife say, uh, they say uh, women are like a slow cooker, men are more like a microwave. Yes. <laughs> so if you want to get something out of that slow cooker, you gotta, you know, you gotta put something in it, and you gotta wait a while, like, because it takes time to percolate and simmer. But in, uh, in the book, I actually say men are like the light switches that you just flip up and down, and women are like dimmers. All right. <laughs> All right. So you gotta slowly move it up, and it slowly brightens up. But a man, you can just flip that switch, and we're ready to go. It's on. You know, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's a great segue to the next book. He who finds a wife, and the slogan on the website says, "Men want love too!" Exclamation point. And the fact that there's even an exclamation point really pointedly describes the situation. Nobody's really taking that into consideration. Men want love. Some men don't think they want love. Most women think that men don't want love. They're just like, well, "You just want sex." And he thinks, "Well, I just want sex," but then you end up unfulfilled. So, is this book, is this book trying to walk a man through? Look. You tried it your way. Let's, let's grow up a little bit. <laughs> to a certain extent, yeah. It, it's, it's breaking down what he needs to be mindful of if he does want to have that amazing relationship. And I think speaking to things that men just don't get spoken to about in, in a lot of situations and about healing and about, you know, even being the leader in your relationship and all these different things. So it definitely is trying to help men. But, you know, the amazing thing is the women who read it get a lot of help from it, too. Because one, they end up saying, wow, I never realized this is what men are going through. I never realized how men feel. And they're also able to figure some things out by themselves. Because there's a huge, not only do, do women not realize men want love too, they swear we don't have feelings, all right? <laughs> so they're, they're not as mindful about things because they don't think we hurt like they hurt. And that's not true. We're just not as vocal about our hurt as they're hurt. Because when a woman hurts, she gets consoled, she gets sympathy, she, you know, she gets people rallying around her. When a man vocalizes his heart, it's, what did you do? What's wrong with you? Suck it up, you're being a sucker, blah, 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 blah. We yeah. don't get the comfort that they get. And so we're not as vocal about that's it. That's why when a man, uh, T.D. Jakes said, when a man is really dealing with something, he's very bothered by something, this is what he'll say. <laughs> Nothing, he'll go inside his cave and try to like, Think about it, think about it, think about it. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, well, what's wrong with him? And he's not talking to me and he doesn't have feelings. Like, come on, you think somebody just clams up for no reason? Mm -hmm. That's harsh. It seemed like in your next, I don't know if I got these in chronological order or not, but the next book, The Man God Has For You. That's actually the last book. That's actually the last one. Yeah. Okay, I've yeah. got it. Where, where's my Boaz? Is the third book in? So actually, it was the sex book. God rid of my Boaz, he who finds a wife, okay. then a man dies. So you do guy, girl, guy, girl, typically? <laughs> typically, yeah. So, <laughs> good approach. Good approach. Yeah. So you want to talk about God, where's my Boaz? Which is, you told me in the car, is your best, the best-selling? Yes, yeah, so that's the best-selling one. So quick, funny story. I never, number one, I never planned on even writing spiritual books or books that have any kind of spiritual tone to them. Um, 
at the time, I was going to write a book called That's the Problem with Single Women. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Problem with Single Women. Yeah. What did the transition happen there? So what happened was, I was going to write that book, but again, like I said, I hate writing. And so I had my usual writer's block, and I wasn't getting it done. And then I had a month, it was, I think, May 2013. Everything went wrong. I had a complete meltdown. I was going to quit. I was like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I was dead broke. This is just not working. And I said, before I do that, let me pray and ask God what to do. And he told me to write the God Where's My Boaz book. At the time, it was uh, the, the reason why you haven't found a good man or a good woman. That was the original premise. And then it turned into God Where's My Man, and then it turned into God Where's My Boaz. That's perfect. And so, you know, at the time, I didn't even think it would be, would be anything big. I just thought, okay, you know what? God told me to do it. Fine. I even told my editor, listen, this makes me an extra $200 a month. All right, cool. All right, she still clowns me about that. Like, did you remember what you said to me? And that book has been ridiculously successful and has yeah. opened ridiculous doors. So that's why that's one of the reasons I'm so adamant about. I don't write what I want to write. I write whatever God tells me to write, because what I want to write is not gonna be what it needs to be compared to what He wants me to write. So with Boaz, yeah, after that it was just. But once I started writing it and I started putting it out there, I started to understand why it needed to be written. And even the whole Boaz part. Like I said, it was originally God Where's My Man. And one day I was speaking to a uh, event coordinator and she was like, okay, so which book are you gonna be promoting while you're at the event? And for some reason I said, God Where's My Boaz. You just spat it out. Yeah, I don't know why I said that. I, that's, that's elevating your writing right there. Yeah. <laughs> From an intellectual standpoint, if you can use an archetype that people can go, who is Boaz? Look at his life, that he embodies all the things you want to say. All you gotta say is Boaz. Mm-hmm. And then you just got, that explains the whole book right there. You don't even need <laughs> like a the good blur. man. He was a godly man. I love, I love the video. You don't, you know, you might get his, his cousin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his distant cousin beating your ass. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Yeah. So it just it came all came together and I was put out there. It's been successful. So when is uh, God Where's My Roof coming out? <laughs> so technically, he who finds a wife is supposed to be the male version of God Where's My Boaz. I just didn't call it God, where's my, where's my roof? Because I figured God, man. God's not going to connect yeah. with that. That's yeah. not going to make sense yeah. to them. Yeah. Yeah. He who finds a wife connects more. Sure. I'm going to write it then. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for anybody out there listening, just to throw it, because, you know, City Fam, this isn't a Christian podcast. This isn't an abstinent podcast. It's for anyone listening. You know, there's, you know, principles that we're talking about that, that, that definitely we believe, uh, at least I believe, work. And, um, but, um, <laughs> You're trying to, you know, let oh, everybody know that. How many? Yeah. yeah. How many? What, what, how many readers of your books uh, are non, you know, non-believers or people not of faith? Because I, I see so much practicality in it. Like you said, do you get a lot of uh, a, a lot of your audience and your, like, even your clients are they people that aren't of faith, or is it a lot of people just of faith? I want to say most are of faith but there are a good portion that are not. So there, I have gotten messages from people saying, you know what, I'm not even a believer, but I love what you wrote in the book, and I still found it, you know, applicable to what I'm doing. Um, yeah, I mean, I've even had clients who were atheists, you know, and they know where I stand, but I also, they understand, I, I know how to speak to you with leaving that out of the picture, sure. equation, and yeah. again, speaking to where you're at, yeah. and still trying to help you move to a better place in your life. So. I've had clients of all kinds of backgrounds, you know, and they're all comfortable with me. They all don't have a problem of coming. I even have good friends who are atheists, to be honest with you. Yeah. 
and you know that's what they'll say about me is that I I, I, just, I just have a respect for people and I understand we're not gonna always be all the same place right. you know but that doesn't mean there's not a purpose for us having a relationship or for me being in your life or you being in my life so on and so forth the key is to simply not as far as where I stand not to allow that to influence how I live my life. You know? so I guess tell us about the last book, The Man God Has For You. So The Man God Has For You. Um, so yeah, so that one, like I said earlier, started off as a quick little free ebook thing and then made it into a full-length book. And it's just one of those books, again, where I felt like, okay, I need to now help women navigate through not making the bad choices. Because I think people don't realize bad relationships has a huge domino effect on people's lives. You get into one bad relationship, it can affect your kids, your family, your work. It can now set you up for more bad relationships. Because if you don't heal from that one, I almost guarantee you're gonna end up in another bad one. Yeah. And it's just this ongoing cycle. So my whole thinking is, okay, if I can help you avoid that, yeah. we can change the whole dynamic. Right. And not just that, I, like some men will come out and say, oh, you speak to, more to women, you're not speaking to men enough. And I'm like, you guys don't understand, I'm actually helping you by speaking to them. Because the man who gets hurt and used by the woman, he's not getting hurt and used by a healed woman. Right. It's an unhealed woman right. who's been through enough BS that now she doesn't care yeah. about what damage she does to somebody else. So if I can heal her and help her avoid the damage, she won't be out here damaging any guy. Right. So it helps everybody. But, you know, environment. Exactly. So it's a bigger picture thing. You know, I view this as okay. There's a there's an ultimate goal here. But again, as I said earlier, these are pieces to the puzzle, and I can't address everything all at once. Right. But it's all working towards both men and women having healthier, happier relationships and not being damaged anymore. Yeah, I love what you said about uh, helping men by by speaking to the women. So I, I you know. I'm pretty vocal about women, lock it up. Like, do not let men in so easily. You are the one that's in control of the sex. Don't give it out until a man proves his intentions to you through action, which to me is the ultimate form of action is marriage. Because anybody can say whatever they want, and they might even mean it when they say it, but if you'll sign the contract, you really mean it because you know that that's gonna cause you pain if you're wrong. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I'll tell women to do that and then, and then women, you know, even are like, why are you putting all the responsibility on us? And I'm like, look, ultimately I'm, I'm you know, or, 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 or men will even sometimes, you know, give me that argument, but ultimately I'm trying to help the men too because if a woman does understand her worth, guard her heart, lock it up and understand that that is, you know, the big thing that she's in control over coming into a relationship, 99 times out of 100, a woman is going to say, when we have sex, you know, occasionally a man will do it, I guess, but very rarely. But if a woman does that, then she helps the man because what happens is people fall into something that I call the sex trap, where a woman gives you sex early, you take it, and then all of a sudden you get connected, like we talked mm -hmm. about, exactly. and now you're, one, you're, you're in something, one foot in, one foot out, with somebody that you should have never been in with, just because she was willing to give you the sex girl mm -hmm. and you're you know as a man it's very you have to be so smart yeah. to not take that because you know it's like what well, there's nothing even being required of me why wouldn't I have sex you know like so I love that that you you know by 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 you know helping women coaching women and writing books for women that you're ultimately helping men in the process um, so tell people where can they find you uh, you know 
Social media channels, where can they get your books, all that? Um, social media, Stefan Speaks, S-T-E-P-H-A-N Speaks. Uh, that's on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook is Stefan Speaks Relationships, and then my website, uh, www.stefanspeaks.com. Awesome. awesome. You're taking clientele? Yes, I am. And they can connect with you? Uh, they, can, they come to my website, or they can go to coachingwithstefan.com. And from there, they can book a session and have some one-on-one time with you. Man, this was awesome, Stefan. This is such a pleasure. I'm really grateful that you came on. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, man, this was absolutely excellent. Thanks for coming out. I enjoyed it.